Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? What are you drinking? Got a Topo Chico mineral water carbonated from Monterey, Mexico. What are you drinking? Alcoholic? No, no, no. Just straight, straight water. There's no alcohol in there. The, the Topo Chico's the like truly version of Topo Chico. Those are delicious. You like those? You like yeah. those? What do you like better, the truly or the Topo? I think I like the Topo. Really? Flavor dependent. Interesting. Mango. You're a big mango guy. I like mango. Mango's a, a great fruit and flavor. You like pineapple? Pineapple's solid too. What's the other one? But there's the truly lots the of fruits. topo. Watermelon, strawberry, blueberry, blackberry. No, no, no. Truly and topo. And then what's the other one? White claw. White claw. I mean, claw. There, there's like 30 of them now. What's your favorite? Topo? I don't know. I'm not really a drinker. You're a pretty big drinker. I'm like a I'm like a four to six times a year, like have a few drinker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're you're vlogging today. Oh yeah. Got Mitch here. Got Let's Mitch in go. the background. Let's go. Video pause. How's it going? <laughs> What's up, Mitch? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, doing a doing a weekly YouTube vlog. Nice. What's today's what's today's vlog concept for you? So today the major topic is so on, on my podcast, I recently did a podcast all about program design mm-hmm. and just, it was like a two and a half hour podcast. So we're going to take bits and pieces from that and discuss them in depth on YouTube. So today it's going to be all about how to set your fitness goal, like how to figure out what your goal is and what can you accomplish. So like, you know, the basic stuff, don't try and run a marathon and compete in bodybuilding at the same time, but just sort of, sort of make that as simple as possible for the general population. Cool. I love that. What do you got going on today, bro? How's your lift? It was good, but it was lower body. So, you know. Squats. Yeah. You squatted all the way in the gym. No, no, not quite. Not quite. Only I did 585 for triples today, which is, wow. which is decent. Yeah. Yeah. Not was actually, a D-load. Not <laughs> <laughs> No, but I actually am concerned with everything happening between basically on my right upper body. As you know, I I took a week, I had a deload scheduled for last week for upper and had some like tightness in my right bicep that was feeling kind of weird. I was like, okay, I was traveling. So instead of the deload, I just went straight training break and took two upper body workouts off. And then yesterday, my first upper day back, I came back with fewer exercises, fewer total sets and less weight. And like, it felt decent during it. And then this morning, like even more pain before I thought it was my bicep. Now it's like my tricep tendon. I'm getting pain down my, like, I don't know if it's serratus or lat or pec minor. Like it's, there's something going on there, which makes me not happy with this bulk. That sucks. I'm sorry, bro. That's not fun. No, dude. I meant to tell you, so yesterday I flew to Austin and then flew back all in one day and I was giving a presentation and uh, a presentation to coaches, to a bunch of coaches about um, growing social media and a business and establishing a brand, all that stuff. And there was a super, super nice woman who came over and she was just like, just want to let you know, I listen to every podcast from you and Mike and like, and I love it. And, and she was funny. She said, um, she said, 
most other podcasts I listen to, I fast forward through the banter, but I love your banter as well. And so I was like, that was really like generous that. and very like nice. That. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Shout out to that woman. That's great. Let's keep bantering then. Good. We might do a little extra banter this episode. <laughs> Just all banter. <laughs> I mean, this is episode 98. We probably have 15 episodes of pure banter. What do you want to banter? Do we want to banter about Batman? Don't banter about. Well, apparently not about my training because you just took this subject change that was the most aggressive. Like, oh, that sucks. Anyway, let me tell you about something else. <laughs> it's because no one wants to hear telling... about your elbow, Mike. No one cares <laughs> about your stupid elbow, your serratus, whatever. <laughs> Deal with it. As you were talking about it, I just kept thinking about that story in my head. And so I tried to be as empathetic as possible with the story. And oh, then I was sucks. like, but I Let don't want to forget. I saw this woman yesterday. <laughs> oh, that really sucks. By the way, here's another. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to transition this into like what to like training around injuries, like trying to go educational. That sucks, man. Anyway, <laughs> but that's, I'm, that I'm glad. Let's just tutor our own like horn for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but where do you want to take it? You're the J, I'm the P. Yeah, we can talk about uh, we can talk about Batman. You want to tell a story about <laughs> <laughs> so, about my mistake with Batman? <laughs> so basically, I historically I really like Batman, and and I love that Mitch is getting this. Let's go. Um, <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> You were going to watch Batman. This is a while back. Someone asked a question, was like, Jordan, what did you think of Batman? And uh, and you hadn't watched it yet. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch Batman. And you get, I don't know, a half hour into Batman Begins. That was during your cardio. And we <laughs> talked on the phone. You're like, yeah, like, uh, you know, so it's it's not very realistic. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a superhero movie. You're like, yeah, it's a superhero movie. You're like, how, like, how does he sharpen his weapons? I'm like, sure, that's... <laughs> That's not, that's not what I, and then I explained to you, I was like, I like the, the story over the entire trilogy and, and boiled it down to like the, at an individual level, the arc that Bruce Wayne specifically goes through from the beginning, from his childhood, from like before his parents die, from when he falls into that tavern thing and the bats go and the elements of fear and then his parents die and like what he does over that arc to the very end of the movie of the third movie to the last scene of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, okay, I'll keep watching. I'm not going to give up on it. Like I, you know, he's got a cape on, which I don't really, but like, I'll keep watching it. I'm like, okay, keep watching. And, and so you know, you you get through movies quick because you do so much cardio. And so it was maybe less than a week later you had wrapped up and, and you really liked the second one. You're like, Heath Ledger was amazing. And then you were loving the third one, Tom Hardy, big jujitsu guy, Bane. You're like, this is sweet. And uh, and you're like, finish Batman. I was like, and we jump on the phone. And I was like, how'd you like it? And you're like, dude, I can't believe Batman died. And I'm on the other end. But, by the way, Batman, no spoilers were from a long time ago, Batman didn't die. I'm on the other end and I'm like thinking, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to spoil it for you because clearly you missed something, but I, I can't like not say it. So I was, did you finish the movie? You're like, yeah, like he blew up. He blew up and that's it. <laughs> I said, like, yeah, there's a six mile blast radius. He brought the nuke out there and you know, he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, did you finish the movie? 
And then you looked, I think you looked on your phone or whatever. You're like, oh, I got 12 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that I had finished the movie. I, I vividly remember, oh, okay, well, it's over. So I closed it out of my phone and finished up, wrapped up cardio. And I started watching something else. In my mind, I thought you, I thought there was a real chance you watched the entire thing. And like that last scene where Alfred's in somewhere in Europe, having his coffee, reading his newspaper, looks across, sees Bruce with Catwoman. They got the, I think there's a baby and that's like, they're like happy family end of it. He finally came out of this, this redemption arc that he needed. And I thought you just missed it. Like you were watching it. You're like, didn't recognize that was Bruce Wayne. Or I was like, how, I don't know how you missed that, but. Yeah. Yeah. Just stopped 12 minutes early. So. What'd you think? Overall, it was a great series. I liked it a lot. Um, I just keep thinking about about Bane being like, do you feel in control? Uh, it was like <laughs> such a badass line. Do you know what line I'm talking about? When, uh, when the guys like- when they're down in- Feel in charge. Yeah, oh, do you feel in charge? That was exactly right. Yes, Mitch is back here. He's like, do you feel it? He's like, do you feel in charge? When the guy was like, I'm in charge here. The guy was like, you know, you're not going to do this, da, 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 da. And then, and, and Bane is like, do you feel in charge? And then he kills him. I was like, oh God, that was just such a sick line. But um, I I think the movies got better with each successive movie. So I I liked I liked two and three almost equally well, maybe even three a little bit better. One was actually my least favorite, which is odd because I actually usually like the the beginning story. You know what I wish they spent more time on? I wish they spent more time on his training with Ra's al Ghul. I, I, I would have loved to have seen more of that training, more of that. <laughs> That's just where my mind goes. <laughs> you, because you want to be like, is he going to do a leg lock or a wrist lock? Is he going to like, is he going to take the back? Is he going to pass his guard? Like, oh, this isn't yes. real. You can't actually do that. But that's because that's yes. where you are in life right now, realistically. Like, I just love that stuff. Yeah. yeah I like, yeah. I would have loved to have seen more of that, but overall it was great. Um, I like to know the why people behave the way they do and what drives people to act certain ways and what people's motivations are. And those almost, you almost always need a detailed origin story to understand their motivation. It's kind of like when I asked you who your first enemy was yeah. a, a couple of podcasts ago and you like ben. thought back to second grade when this other kid Third like grade. made the class laugh and you're like, he's Wasn't not even funny. funny. Like I'm funnier than him. Like that tells me a lot about you. Whereas like, I understand that you're interested in in jujitsu and and you know <laughs> more than that, but <laughs> like you're relating it. You like Last Samurai or Hunger Games more because they're more, I don't know, battle realistically battle focused. I I guess we could say a hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hunger Games was so good. <laughs> God, I'm a huge Cadmus Everdeen fan. Always was. Uh, yeah. Last Samurai is a great movie too. Yeah, The Last Samurai, that's that's a phenomenal movie as well. Yeah, dude, I liked them. It's also there's so much going on as well. To be like there's a lot that happens. For example, Heath Ledger like dies and I, I think and I'm almost positive that they had to film a couple scenes where someone else like was acting as though they were Heath Ledger pretending to be the Joker. I'm almost positive like he had he had died before uh before the true end, ending of the film. Um they changed uh, Katie Holmes's character. Yeah. Like there was a lot of disruption in there that really got in my head. Um, okay. So 
overall, like I lot, I, I liked it a lot. It, it's definitely not my favorite. I I think Hunger Games is better. I would I think Hunger Games is better. I just I do. I like Hunger Games a lot better than Batman movies. Um, you know what's funny? What? That, I mean, they're they're both not realistic, but you view Hunger Games as like that could be us in a hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. Versus Gotham is like pure fiction in your mind. There was so much reminiscent about the Hunger Games to real life in terms of government propaganda and in terms of like uh, you have this one group of people who who are severely oppressed and that the the ruling class is able to control them and and control what they see and control what they do and you have this rise from the bottom of the depths of despair and these people who like Katniss who volunteers to save her sister and like there's it was it even though it's unrealistic it's not that unrealistic you know what i mean like that could and i mean thinking about the coliseum where they would literally take Mm -hmm. slaves Mm -hmm. and fight to the death like Mm -hmm. it's not that unrealistic outside of hey we're gonna you know make all this technology and we're gonna have this poison gas that comes out and it burns your skin and then you die from that like and like me we're gonna have all these like made up animals that can come out of nowhere and kill you that stuff is obviously a little bit unrealistic at least right now where we are in technology but it seems to be based on a lot of real life scenarios i think you you just don't i think you don't like the cape I don't think you ever got I really past the don't. cape. And the little silver <laughs> things that he was throwing at the, I was like, how did that hit all of the lights? <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be realistic. What do you, when you say Coliseum, did you like Gladiator or Hunger Games more? Loved Gladiator. I think Gladiator was better than Hunger Games. Yeah. Gladiator is just like one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could watch Gladiator every week. I think I could, if I could watch Gladiator every, every Saturday and I would be, very happy to watch that movie over and over again. Everybody watch Gladiator. Everyone watch Gladiator here and we'll uh, we'll talk about it in the coming month. I like that. That's homework. How to become a personal <laughs> trainer podcast. Go watch Gladiator. <laughs> Actually though. <laughs> yeah. I think watching Gladiator would be would help more people's businesses than a lot of things that people do to work on their business. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Like give it, give one know. example. Yeah. You got to give one. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, worrying about likes, worrying about people liking. Sure, you. sure. Um, watching you Gladiator, know, it will be better off. You'll be better off watching Gladiator than you will be checking how many likes you got on your most recent post. That's a great example. That's absolutely right. Should we talk about uh, very briefly? I guess this funny dynamic of from okay, so. Dom, shout out to Dom. Dom's a guy who listens to the podcast. He sent me a DM on Twitter after our conversation about- uh, You check your Twitter DMs? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> they they pop up and the numbers like me. <laughs> I, I almost want David to cut this, but I don't. But like I go in my Instagram DMs once every six months because <laughs> it's just too much. You can't, There's if I'm yeah. going to go in, I'm going to reply to them and I can't reply to everybody. Just right now it's, but my Twitter DMs, I only- you know, there's only a few people there, so it feels manageable. <laughs> anyway, when we had the, we talked about scheduling the podcast and as soon as it was locked in, I didn't want to do it. And he was like, you should check out the book, The Four Tendencies uh, 
by Gretchen Rubin, which I had actually listened to previously and, and forgotten about. And it was in my audiobooks. I fired it back up and just like took this quiz and I was a certain type and then a rebel, rebel, obliger, upholder, questioner. And the rebel type essentially only does what they want to do all the time, which is doesn't <laughs> sound good, but uh, that was what I scored on there. <laughs> in In the rebel section, it was like, Basically, no one gets along with rebels very well except obligers. It's like obligers and rebels make phenomenal friends, great business partners, da-da-da-da-da. And I, <laughs> I texted you. I was like, dude, you got to take this quiz. <laughs> and I, I knew as soon as you said all of the names, I was like, I'm an obliger. Like I, I knew immediately just from the, the names of the categories. But then when I took the quiz, I was like, yeah, you're an obliger. I was like, yeah, it makes total sense. And you're married to an obliger. Like yeah. it makes total sense. Yeah. Like. It yeah makes a hundred percent sense yeah, but it's also helpful because it's like um, it just it makes it easier. It's like this is this is how if you have two obligers together, that's not a good scenario. That that will end in disaster. Nothing gets done. If you have two rebels, there's like nothing yeah, also gets done. Oh, you want to podcast work. at four? Well, I want to podcast at noon. Okay, I guess we're not. Guess we're shutting down the pod. Nice knowing. Yeah, I guess we're not we're not doing a pod together, asshole. <laughs> uh, Jordan, Michael, I want to start an online. I'm a personal trainer. I want to start an online coaching business. Uh, I'm going to start making content right now. I'm thinking about the best revenue model: high ticket membership, one on one coaching? Question mark. So I guess wh which. For some, for a coach who's starting to build their online business and thinking about how to monetize, let's assume good intent. Let's assume like I want to help people. Let's assume like it's not a get rich quick, uh, and and they're getting all these different, um, you know, they're getting bombarded with Instagram ads uh, to try this high ticket this, you know, start your own membership, join my course to start a membership. What is the best of of those three or something else? Yeah, I'll start by saying, I, I actually want to ask you. When you hear the term high ticket, does that create rage in you the same way it creates rage in me? Like, I can't hear that term without like a fire erupting in my gut. You know, it, and I'm not saying I'm angry at this person. I just like, I don't like, like that term just enrages me. And I'm trying to work my way through this, this. So it anger. actually. It actually excites me and gives me so much confidence in myself because I know that someone starting out trying to charge thousands of dollars a month for one-on-one -on -one fitness coaching isn't going to win and isn't going to like like bad net for the industry. But on a personal level, someone who's short-sighted and trying to charge that much money to make as much as soon as possible, like I just know that's not going to pan out. Mm. Meaning I know they're not going to, and there's no, there's no stealing. There's too, there's too much demand. We've talked about this, like abundance versus scarcity mindset. There's, there's too, there's too much demand for fitness help in the world that it's not a competition against each other. But when I hear high ticket and I think of someone like trying to do high ticket, I immediately just think this isn't going to work out. Like, good luck. Yeah. The only thing that I can sort of compare it to, and it's not the same at all. When I was a younger coach. And I heard people say like, oh, like I just want to get toned. I would get mad because like mm. you toning, 
you can't tone your muscle like that stupid like thing that younger coaches do and they get really mad it's like it doesn't matter you know exactly what they're trying to say high ticket i get sort of the same anger but worse and it's also i think for a better reason because like yeah you can do high ticket but it's like I feel like it's it's such a buzzword in the business world. Yeah, you want to do high ticket coaching. This is my high ticket offering. Shut the fuck up. It's so annoying. Like this is my high ticket coaching offer. You're a piece of shit is really what you are. It's like I I don't know. I just I hate that term and people use it. Um and and it's interesting cuz the way that let me, the fresh sorry, the, let me yeah. I, I want to dig in. Why why a piece of shit? Like, why does a high price point? It's not the high price point. It's that what that's what you call the high price point. And it's like it's what you know what I mean. It's like if you charge a lot of money for your, it almost feels like um, the person who tells you what car they drive when there's no reason for them to tell you what car they drive. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like the person who's like, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, I drive a what's it? What's a nice car? I'm not a car. I don't know. A, bu- a Bugatti, <laughs> a Bugatti. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, you know, I drive a Bugatti. It's like, okay, well, you're a fucking asshole. Like, why the hell do you tell me that? It's like, yeah, I do high ticket coaching. Okay, you're a fucking asshole. Like, I don't care. Feels like, like they're that's bragging. basically your your way of saying I charge a lot of money, right? It's like it's a lot as opposed to just being like I do one on one coaching. Oh, cool. How much do you charge? Well, that's a different discussion. It's like it's it's different to say. I do high ticket coaching versus I just do one-on-one, even though you might be charging the same thing. And I feel like when people say I'm doing high ticket, they're explicitly letting you know, by the way, this is going to be very expensive. And I charge a lot of money. I'm like, okay, asshole. Like why, you, you, why is that part douchey. of the discussion? Yeah. It's douchey. You're a douche. You are okay. a giant bag of douche. Is what <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that's, that's a reasonable reaction to it. How about practically and strategically? Like, well, stupid. It's just stu- like, and that's people make stupid business decisions all the time that I don't get angry about. I feel I have more empathy for that. It's more just like the person who goes out of their way to let you know how much money they make or how much they charge or to make it seem like people use their price point as a form of bragging, which I don't like. It's uh-huh. just like, shut up. Got it. <laughs> right or the person that you meet is like you know how many followers i have i don't give a shit yeah. <laughs> like yep. that type of thing I um see. and and i feel like in the business mastermind guru world a lot of the people teaching in quotes like er, teaching others how to sell they use high ticket in the same way that fitness people use um like use rapid fat loss or fat burners or something like that. they use that term because they think it's going to catch on and people are going to get hooked by it. Like, Oh, high ticket. Oh, so I, I don't need that many clients. I just need a couple who pay me a lot of money. It's like, and I'm worth an incredible amount of money because I had someone, a very nice woman at the seminar yesterday that I gave in Austin. Very nice. And I, I like her a lot. She's, she basically was saying, I don't want to give away all of my secrets for free because then why are they going to hire me? And I was like, what secrets do you have? And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, You're, what secrets do you have that they're not going to be able to find for free on Google or from somewhere else? And she was like, oh, that's a good point. I was like, give away everything for free 
because they're going to hire you because they trust you, not because of the secrets that you're hiding. There, there are no secrets in this industry. Mm. You've learned everything from someone else probably because they were kind enough to teach you. So um, it, I think a lot of the, the, these like guru marketers try and use this as a term to hook people in to sign up for their high ticket business coaching. When it's, it's like when, when this person asked originally high ticket membership or one-on-one, I think one-on-one is quote unquote high ticket. It's just, one-on-one is your high price point. It's just how high are you going to make it? And that is entirely dependent on what you're comfortable with and what you feel, what makes sense for your business. For me, like going over 400 a month never felt good in terms of what I was offering, in terms of like no matter how much training I had, how much money I spent in school, how much money I spent on certifications, how much time I spent doing this, it never felt right for me to charge more than four. And I'm not saying that's the number everyone should follow, but for me, that was the cap. So like that for me was my quote unquote high ticket, but that's that was the offer. I'm going to dig in there. Is Was that 100% because you didn't feel good about charging it? Or was there any part of you that from a branding perspective felt like it was bad for your reputation for people to be like, oh, site Fitness charges zero part, zero, zero part of me, zero, zero. It was zero reputation. Okay. It was after years and years and years of doing one-on-one coaching and realizing and also making money and realizing the value of money and realizing how much 200 is versus 300 versus 400 versus 800 versus 1000 and realizing my goal of well I want my goal is I want to try and help as many people as I can it it seemed incongruent and disingenuous to say I want to help as many people as I can but also I charge $1000 a month for coaching mm-hmm. that seemed to me disingenuous and didn't feel congruent with what I was actually saying mm-hmm. between 3 to 400 a month felt congruent in terms of well this is definitely I'm I'm absolutely worth I know I'm worth even more than this but this is definitely like I'm worth this and it's actually doable for people that I want to help uh, so that it was zero about what people thought, and it was a hundred percent about what what's my actual goal here. I gotcha, and and that's that was based on your offering. Like, I also don't like the term or the business model. I don't like the business model because I I think it makes sense to have to minimize variance as a risk management tool. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is uh, like maximal. Maximal risk means you're you're in a binary situation where you either have a salary or you don't have a salary. So you're working for the man. Your money's all coming from one person. If that one person, aka your employer, fires you, you know, recession, 20%, whatever, fires you, then you have $0. High ticket, maybe you're charging five grand a month to five different clients, okay? So you're making 25K a month. You're crushing it. But if two people stop working with you, that's a 40% drop mm-hmm. in your income. Mm-hmm. It's a 40% drop in your revenue. It's probably an even bigger drop in your income percentage-wise. If you're working with 30 or 40 or 50 clients at a more reasonable $200, $300, $400 a month, and two people or three people or four people cancel, you're minimizing variance by having a larger sample size. You can weather that storm much easier than you have three high-ticket clients, two cancel. Now you only have one client. Now you're worried about paying your bills. And so strategically, that's, that's another reason why uh, charging less 
and, and working with more clients, even if it means less time per client makes sense. Yeah, that I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. And the stress involved in it, let's say you're charging five grand a client or even one grand a month per client, whatever it is, whatever your high ticket offer is, you better, you have to be going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are starting from an over promising perspective. Like you have to go out of your way and like, you better be ready to reply to the text at any time of day. You better be ready to take a call anytime. Like what are you charging that much money for your access? It's access to you. You better be available when that person, because if you're paying five a month for something, you want immediate access, period, end of story. Of yeah. So it the amount of stress on you in order to deliver, just to meet the, the basic deliverables of what you've promised is going to be <laughs> unbelievably stressful mm-hmm. compared to having 40 50 clients, even 30, 40, 50 clients paying two, three, 400 a month. It's like way less stressful. You lose five of those people, seven, 10 of those people percentage wise. It's a, it's a much more reasonable hit and it's easier in order to get more people back at that lower cost than it is to try and convince someone for this huge amount of money on a, on a monthly basis. Just, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. You make a great point about the offering has to be different if you're going to charge more, both like from a business perspective and from a right and wrong perspective. And I'm not going to name her, but we have a good example of someone in the mentorship who charges $800 a month, has Mm -hmm. a lot of clients and does a really good job. She's jumping on FaceTime with them multiple times a month. She's replying to text messages. She she is delivering more. It's It's a higher touch service. And which justifies a higher dollar mark. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so there are situations there where it makes sense, but it's like, oh, and you know, just 15X your price, but have the same offering, call it high, t- like that is what we're against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she she does amazing. She's on FaceTimes all the time. She's interacting with people. Her client retention's insane. You just have to ask, insane. is that what you want? Like, do you want to be doing that? And if, mm-hmm. if you are cool with that, amazing. If If you'd rather have a little bit more relaxed- you know, maybe just all everything via email. Don't charge that much. <laughs> yeah. And yep. just don't call your coaching high ticket for Because it bothers Jordan. So you it's shouldn't do annoying. it. It's just annoying. How about the other part of the question? Starting out very little online presence, no online revenue. Should they start a membership? Should they start a $25 a month? No. And we've spoken about this a lot before. If you scroll through all the different podcasts we've done, well, you'll see some some in the title about like uh, starting a membership, membership 101. You, you'll see those. We've spoken about this a lot, so we're not going to go in on this again. But having a membership is something that you should really only do if if your one-on-one is maxed out and or if you have a very large, very active, engaged social media audience or very large active engaged email list. You don't need it to be on social media, but you have a very large active engaged audience, period. Cool. Uh, Business, fitness, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go, Mr. Obliger? I'm such an obliger that you just, you pick it and I'll go with it. All right, you're a rebel. In fact, because if I tell you what I want to do, I think you'll go the other way. So how about you just- No, no, I- (laughs) Because I want you to. No. When, uh, when Mike and I were trying to plan this podcast and I, I, today we had planned it for today. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, 
and then I realized I had, I had Mitch coming. And so I asked Mike, I was like, Hey, could we do this podcast tomorrow? Let me, let me give some more background <laughs> on this. <laughs> I'm in Jordan's calendar. Okay. I schedule the pods. I look at what he's got going on. I ask you, I'm like, what do you think of that? We, so we have a normal time that we do Thursdays, 1 PM central. We're recording. We're banging them out weekly, by the way, personal trainer podcast, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at personal trainer podcast. We're making daily content across the board. If you want to just hit pause, give a quick follow, hit play again. We would very, very, very much appreciate that. We're making real organic reach, organic gains, clean, lean gains on the socials. I have access to Jordan's calendar and you had to fly to Austin on Thursday. And I saw that over the podcast, you were going to be in the middle of breakout room one, whatever that means. And I said, (laughs) Hey, bro, looks like breakout room one's happening at one o'clock on Thursday. (laughs) Probably not a good time to pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll find a different time. Find a time Friday because I'm, uh, I like things the way I like them. We basically (laughs) podcast right after my workouts because I'm in a good mood and we're going to grip it and rip it. And if if you, you could podcast anytime, 7 p.m. on a Friday night, I don't want to podcast. I'm not, it's just not going to happen. I'm going to cancel it. So schedule it in Friday. 2 p.m. on the thing, you, it usually says if Mitch is there. Mitch wasn't on there. I called you. I was like, what do you think, Friday, 2 o'clock? That worked for you? Amazing. Amazing. Can't wait. Great. Great. <laughs> All right. This morning, 10.33 in the morning, I got this guy fixing my oven over here. Haven't even had my pre-workout meal yet. I'm, I'm emailing with clients. George calls. What's up? Hey, uh, what do you think about podcast tomorrow? I can't do it, short. I don't have a workout tomorrow, and that's no one's going to want to hear that podcast. <laughs> no, I said, "What do you, could we could we do it tomorrow?" And there was a long pause, like because well, I'm thinking long... if I can adjust my training schedule, I'm trying to make it like, work. Silent, and at first I was like, "I wonder if he cut out." Like, did I lose? Your... And like, and then all of a sudden you're like, "No," <laughs> the way that you said, "Could could we do tomorrow?" No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll we'll do it today. And I was like, no, no, no hang on. And, hang and on. you said, I'll, and then you- uh, hang on first. And I Saturdays, Monday through Friday, Gary works out either first thing in the morning or at six p.m. It's in the calendar. It's locked and loaded. Saturday, Sunday, Gary's workout. Saturday, it could be anywhere from seven a.m. to three p.m. So I don't really know. And Sundays are, unless the Jets are playing, like Sundays are the same thing. Could be mid-morning, later in the morning, early afternoon. And so there's a lot of moving pieces. I can't just throw a workout on a Saturday. I might be training. And then he hits me up. He's like, we got to go right now. It's like, all right. And, And so there are reasons why. And I actually said, you know what? I could do Monday. It's like, we could pod Monday. You got a cardiology appointment. You'd have to move that. And Yeah. And then <laughs> this is the best part. <laughs> then oh, yeah, then you yeah, were yeah. like, but you know what? You know what? We could we could change the time. We could do a little bit earlier. You want to move it earlier? And, and so we're at sk- pod scheduled for two o'clock. And I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Could we do one o'clock? And you were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said I could probably swing a 130. Maybe 130. You're like, I could try for a 130. I was like, so what do you mean by do you, do you want to do it earlier? You're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> 1033 but made 130 happen. 1033. I still got a program to design that I need to send to a to someone. I'm a high ticket coaching client. Ha- <laughs> no, no, just a normal. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Meanwhile, I haven't had my pre-workout meal yet. I'm squatting, so I don't want to rush through that and do something to my back. Like I'm, I'm thinking through all these factors. I don't want to over-promise under-deliver. We move it to 1 o'clock. It's 10.33. He's still working on the oven. I got no calories in me yet. A lot of moving pieces. But 1.30, we gripped and ripped on the dot. And so here we are. We're killing it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> there. How's that for banter? That's some real banter. You want to, oh, well, let's do earlier. Let's do earlier than two. Okay. How about, how about one? No. No. <laughs> Could maybe do a 130. <laughs> I think, I think what I said was maybe a little earlier, or a little later, but I don't know. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of anyway, wiggle room in there. So, so going back to the rebellious, to the rebel here, what are we, what are we choosing for fitness, business, banter? What do we got next? Uh, would you rather talk about <laughs> video would you, pods? <laughs> would you rather talk about uh, a method for fat loss that some people do, or a tried and true nutrition strategy? Tried and true nutrition strategy. Okay. I think I don't know how to preface this. I'm just going to dive right in. I think that of all of the fad diets, right? Keto, carnivore. I mean, we could we could call like vegan for health purposes. I'd throw that in there. Like moral purposes, I think is in a separate bucket, but like strict vegan for health, like all of the fad diets, I think the pendulum went too far against clean eating. I oh, think we agreed. I think we bring back clean eating. I think mm -hmm. clean eating is actually – look, I understand that that when you're over-restrictive with food choice and you think that if you have one little tiny Twix bar, you ruined everything and then you binge on it. Like I have experienced that to lower degrees. I know people have really struggled with that. That's what makes flexible dieting so great. That's what makes the majority of what you eat nutritious, micronutrient-dense, fiber-dense, classically nutritious foods, and then a small percentage of what you eat, what alcohol, pizza, candy bars, like you can work those things into your calories. It's balanced. It's sustainable in the long term. That is the pinnacle. That's what our book was about. That's what we've both preached. That's what we both use with clients. The, the eating shit and making it fit in your macros or calories for the day and calling it like optimal compared to clean eating has gotten too far out of hand. I actually think that that trying to eat clean, and I'm intentionally using the word clean because it also gets this criticism of like, huh, what do you wash your food before you eat it? Do you put Windex on it? Ha, ha, ha. What does clean even mean? And I get that. It's, it's funny. I like it. I, I like it. And I like a lot of people who have said that over the years. And I think that was a great joke in 2011 or 2009 on the bodybuilding.com forums. But we know what clean is. Like we know that a sweet potato is clean and we know that a Snickers bar isn't. Like unprocessed micronutrient dense food versus processed shit. Uh, I just think that there are massive, massive benefits, especially in a surplus, but and at maintenance to eating clean. Dude, and in a deficit, especially. And in a deficit, I know, but there, but yes, yes, in, in all three. For volume and satiety, like there, there are especially benefits there. Flexible dieting has gone too far, bro. Yeah. You summed it up so much better than me <laughs> in that one sentence. <laughs> yeah. Flexible dieting has gone too far. 
it's gone too far. It's all these fucking people who are like, I can eat this and I can eat that and I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat that. It's like, yeah, but like, for what? Are you, are you, do you care about your health? Do you care about getting more nutrients in? Or are you just like, it, it's the fitness industry. It really, uh, it's people are so dichotomous in their thinking and it's like, it's either, it either matters or it doesn't matter. It either works or it doesn't work. And, and the flexible dieting crowd has gotten so into like just calories. Like, well, calories are all that matters. Like, well, no, they're not. They matter. They're very important, but they're not all that matter. And, uh, I, it's interesting. I think flexible dieting mixed with body positivity has created a monster. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think the flexible dieting crowd, I think the extreme flexible dieting crowd fused with the extreme body positivity crowd and created a mutant that is just says eat whatever you want in whatever quantity you want and as long as you're happy it's healthy mm. and anyone who says that's wrong is objectively a bigot <laughs> and i think <laughs> a mutant <laughs> that's a very interesting take i hadn't thought of that so now you're going to distance yourself from my opinion on this one no 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 i just i've never seen <laughs> oh very all, interesting jord i I hadn't thought about that. I, I disagree. I, I completely denounce no, 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 everything. No, no, no. Look, <laughs> look, I, I believe you that there are mutants running around out there. That when I see the far end of the flexible dieting crowd, I see like this guy on like a gram of test a week, like eating these like protein pancakes and these like, I don't know, like high protein, like whatever fake food, like lots of just fake food, lots of Zero supplements. Zero sugar lots of, syrup and like, yes, yeah, all, all, of, yeah, all yeah. of that. All And they're fancy and they look cool on Instagram. I see that loaded with anabolics. And then on the flexible diet, or sorry, on the body positivity, I see a very different body type and mentality of someone who is like that person, that like zero sugar syrup guy also is hitting protein, carb, fat every single day of his life. His calories are, he knows where he wants them and he puts them there or she, I'm I'm the worst. (laughs) You misogynistic (laughs) asshole. (laughs) You get where I'm going with this. But But that's your image when you see, when that, it's funny because I had a different image of a flexible dieter in my head. I had had a different image. No, no, not not a flexible dieter, but the extreme. Yeah, IFYM, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the IFYM bodybuilding.com forum bro. Who amazing. And then the far end of the body positivity, I see someone who's extremely obese and extremely unhealthy. Just yeah. And and when you say they can they converge to make a mutant, <laughs> I didn't even know they could converge because I thought they were like on po- uh, like the north and south pole of the world. So that's why I said interesting. I was trying to figure out like it's funny. I so when I th- was thinking of like the extreme flexible dieting crowd. I, it, that it, your image makes sense. It is one side. I was, I was thinking of the extreme from the perspective of the person who constantly struggles to lose weight because they say they're flexible dieting 
when in reality they're not right the person who says well i'm flexible dieting so i'm going to eat this well i'm flexible dieting i'm going to eat this and they're always trying to lose weight but they're never actually getting their calories in check they're never actually doing what they need to do like well it's okay like i can eat all of this and i can eat all of that and i'll go have the chips and guac and then i'll have the pizza and all this well it's all okay because you know i'm a flexible dieter but i'm also really unhappy that i'm not losing weight and then that fused with the body positivity movement to create this person who's like, well, it doesn't even matter anymore because I'm just going to eat what I want so I can be happy and then also be really upset that they're not losing weight on the inside, but then fall into this community that's coddling them and not actually actually saying things that are going to help them. They're just trying to, uh, they're essentially just um, enabling them to just keep going further snowballing down this very unhealthy route so that was my where my flexible dieter met body positivity it wasn't where it was like bro science super jack shredded dude like zero calorie maple syrup with the rice cakes and all that (laughs) (laughs) or like in the pop tarts and like all you know the walden farms like syrups that have nothing in it all that stuff like yeah that that's another end of that for sure yeah i see yeah your mutant makes sense in that case yeah. And what I have to clarify, because someone's going to fucking be an asshole. When I say mutant, it has nothing to do with how they look. It's a mutant of, of ideology. Yes. That's, I wasn't picturing like an actual mutant. Yeah. But good clarification. You never know these things. <laughs> you never know. Uh, I have a thought on, related to this because we know that objectively, one of the best things that you can do for your health, there are many good things you can do for your health, but we know that objectively, one of the best things you can do for your health is to have a reasonable body fat percentage. I wonder, and it's, the answer is both, I already know, but in like this fictitious world where you can only pick one, which is Jordan's least favorite kind of question, would it be better to uh, being like for a dude, say like between 12 and 20, let's, let's say we got four cohorts. We got like 12 to 18% body fat dudes and, uh, and like, like 19 to 26% body fat women. And they're eating a lot more crap Mm -hmm. calories, macros on point, but maintaining and eating a lot more crap. Then we have, uh, 38 to 48% body fat dudes and and uh 45 45 to 52 percent body fat women but they're eating more nutritious foods but they're also eating some unclean and they're in a surplus and let's say training protocols are actually pretty similar between the two groups there's no the the lower body fat group is going to be healthier i would i would put a lot of money on for sure because even though even though we can say, yeah, training protocols are similar, it's very difficult to have a similar training protocol at that high level of a body fat percent. You know, like what can they actually accomplish in training? And this is one of the issues that I have with that movement with like the health at every size movement or whatever. It's like, can you be healthy at that body fat? Like maybe assuming you would be comfortable enough to move on a regular basis. But that's how I always know someone hasn't actually worked with someone who's severely overweight. Mm -hmm. It's like if you've worked with even a a handful of people who are severely overweight between like 40 to 55% body fat, it hurts to move. 
things hurt. It is super difficult. And once they actually start moving, they start losing weight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. It's like, so it's very difficult to actually have a great training protocol and maintain that body fat because like it's, it's super challenging. So I I would imagine that, that the, the shittier diet, healthier body fat in that group would be healthier. That would be my, my two cents. And in a perfect world, you know, get yourself in a place where you have a healthy body fat percentage and eat mostly nutritious foods, but. Yeah. And to be, (laughs) I'm just, and I know this is a fictitious world, but to be that high body fat and eating a mostly very clean diet, like you've got to have some issue with food. If you're like to eat that much, you know, like that's, there's other shit going on in this fictitious world. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I think they're underreporting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As most do. As most do. That study where people people who who tracked their food in real time compared to people who uh logged their entire day of eating at the end of the day and the people who logged their entire day of eating at the end of the day were more underreported by like somewhere between 50 and 60%. Yeah, it's crazy. So if they actually ate 2,700 calories for the day, they logged it as 1,800 calories for the day. That is mm-hmm. wild. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Even when I do like these cuts, like, and I actually start being more aware of my calories, I'm always like, damn, dude, I was mm-hmm. eating a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every time I'm like, man, I really was like giving myself a lot of leeway mm-hmm. there. <laughs> and how many times have we done this in our lives? Dozens yeah. and dozens. So, like, and it's still yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's why tracking is not only such a good way to learn about what you're putting in your body, initially when you're getting started, but also periodically as a refresher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's so funny. It really is. It's an important thing just to do, even just like once a year, twice a year, just have like a a 7, 14, 21, 30 day window, just track, you know, just like, you know, self audit and just be aware. Yeah. Completely agree. All right. I got another one here. Uh, is running good for fat loss? Who asked this question? You don't have to say their name. Is running good for fat loss? <laughs> this is actually a question that I just made up to get to something <laughs> that I want to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, is this a real question? <laughs> what do you want to say? <laughs> I say this with such deep love because I know there are people who really understand or who really really enjoy running and really get mental health benefits from running and might've been like cross country runners in high school and it's their sport and it's their thing. And they have like a deep connection and passion for running. But when I see people who are, let's, let's say either untrained or beginners, even if they've, you know, done a decent amount of weightlifting over the years, their technique, their exercise selection, like the types of stuff they've done. Maybe it's a lot of classes. They're basically for all intents and purposes, beginners in the strength training world who are overweight, but really enjoy running. I have just seen it be so unsuccessful for fat loss. And, and it makes sense. If you increase calorie expenditure, 
and hold everything else constant, you should see slightly faster fat loss progress. Not you should, you do see slightly faster fat loss progress. So you would think that running is beneficial. And I'm separating running from cardio because uh, incline walking, riding the bicycle, going on the mm-hmm. elliptical. That's an of, important distinction. Yeah. All of these are also forms of cardio that also increase calorie expenditure that have a marked decrease in injury risk compared to mm-hmm. running, especially for someone who is overweight and and so more impact on the joints, and especially for someone who isn't like an elite or advanced runner. So the running technique probably isn't perfect. Um, plus carrying a little bit of extra weight adds the injury risk, which which is not good. So that's point one. Point two is for whatever reason, and I, I've seen this with many, many people over the years, this type of person, because they enjoy running, ends up prioritizing running over their strength training. And so strength training workouts are getting missed in favor of runs. And then there's, this is purely anecdotal, but I think it's right. There's an element of running where either it's A, uh, it increases appetite more than the other forms of cardio, leading to higher calorie intake, leading to a net in they're not making additional fat loss progress because of it, or an overestimate of calorie expenditure from running. So it's either an increase in hunger leading to overeating, or it's this justification that because I ran, I feel like I burnt a thousand calories on that run. So I'm going to add 500 calories on top of my intake. These are all things I see when running gets and distance running. You know, you can work a little bit in here and there, but for people who want to lose body fat, where running ends up being more detrimental than helpful. And again, it it sucks because the majority of these people aren't actually doing it because they feel like they have to. They're doing it because they really like running, but it ends up making it harder for them to make fat loss progress. Yeah, dude. And I see this with sprints as well. It's not even just long distance. People are like, oh yeah, I did a Tabata. So let's go eat and drink a lot. I'm like, that was like four minutes of work. What in the, how many fucking calories do you think you burn from doing a Tabata? Mm -hmm. It's not a lot at all. Like it's Mm -hmm. brutal. It's super difficult. It's a great high intensity protocol in order to improve your, your performance in certain events, but you're not burning a lot of calories. And, and I know like many people run because they enjoy it. Many people do, but I also know many people run because they think it's what they need to do to lose fat. Many people only run because they think I need to run in order to lose fat. No, you don't. And when they do that and they don't know how much, how many calories they're eating and they're not strength training, then they will radically overestimate how many they're burning and they will underestimate how many they're eating. And so they eat back way more and they end up gaining weight. And this is why we see actually a lot of runners struggling with their weight because they eat way more than they should, not to mention they do need to fuel for these longer runs, especially if you're doing a longer run. You need more fuel for that. Um, But if you're not tracking and if you're not aware, then you are likely overdoing it very, very easily. It's not difficult to overdo it at all. Um, So yeah, I I think you're 100% 100 spot on. I would say though, like if someone loves running and they really enjoy it, don't stop. Just be aware of how much you're eating. Stop adding all those calories back in and uh, and don't neglect your strength training. That I think might be the number one most important thing is because I've seen some amazing, amazing runners who are super lean and the, the one common denominator among all of them is they also lift. Mm-hmm. Like the best 
runners that I know who are also very lean lift. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. And they're strong. And, and like, you know, who's a great example of this is, is Kenny Santucci. Uh, hmm. I just saw he ran the Boston Marathon. He's done, like, I think he does, he's done, and not, he did the New York Marathon the other day. Um, he's, I think he said he's done like seven marathons, maybe an Ironman as well. And like the dude is, is ripped. He's ab, and he lifts a lot. He's a great Olympic lifter. He's super, super strong. Um, it, he's a great example of you can absolutely stay lean as a runner, but if you're neglecting your strength training, you're going to make it infinitely harder. To, to stay lean while you do that. Otherwise, then you get, you know, that like traditional skinny fat, right? Where it's like, well, yeah, I run a lot, but I'm not nearly as muscular as I'd like to be. It's like, well, yeah, you got it. You got to do both. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Both is better than either alone. Yeah. And a lot of people who only lift would do well to do some fucking cardio. But that's a story Correct. for a different day. <laughs> Correct. But for, for that heart health, we can, that's a story for a different day. I wouldn't have that person running. I'd have them do something yeah. that's technically less challenging. That's a lower injury risk. That's someone who doesn't run. If you have them start running, they're not going to be in zone two anyway. Mm-hmm. Correct. But, right. Like they're, they're not e- efficient enough at it until they've learned the skill better and, and improved at it. Um, the other thing that's, that's cool is when you take someone who's running a lot and not lifting, and you put them on a good strength training program and you reduce their miles per week. So they're actually running less. They start lifting their running performance increases. Yes, absolutely. Almost always, which, which is really cool. They feel better. They're faster. Their times get better, even though they're running less because they've added strength training. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you could, if you could give one piece of generic advice to Every weightlifter, every beginner, what would it be? Oh man, there's so much. Um, so the the way that I think about this goes to it's there's different groups of beginners, right? There are beginners who will become intermediates, who will become advanced. There are beginners who will become intermediate and not advanced. They're beginners who will never become intermediate because they quit. So, and I think that my mind goes towards the beginners who start and quit and start and quit and start and quit. And that's where like my advice goes to. It's not the person who's in there who's just smashing it and loving every minute. I'm talking more towards the people who might not even like it at all. They probably don't even really enjoy it. They don't know what to do and they don't see the point. Like if they're never going to be able to progress. Um, If there was one thing that I could say is that I'm going to have two things. Number one is this. You don't need to lift a tremendously heavy amount of weight in order to make progress. Mm -hmm. You just, just even starting off with your body weight is plenty doing two to three exercises a day is, is going to be great several times a week. If just as at this, as the starting point. Um, so you don't need to be lifting hundreds of pounds on a barbell in order to make progress. And even if you're just doing bodyweight squats or hands elevated pushups or planks, just things to start out with, you can make really, really amazing progress and you are doing something even if you can't see it within the first week, two weeks, three weeks, one month. Um, and the other thing that I would say is it honestly doesn't matter that you don't like it because you still have to do it. Mm. Like that's, it It really, it doesn't matter. And, and I think a lot of coaches go towards, well, find, find what you love, find what you love, find the type of exercise you love. I think that that is a very 
overrated and overused phrase in this. Mm-hmm. And, and it also shows me that you haven't worked with that many people because some people will never like any form of exercise, no matter what. And it doesn't change the fact that they still need to exercise. So whether like, no matter what, and this, this is a very overused phrase as well, but you're going to suffer no matter what you're either going to suffer through your workouts several times a week and hate every minute of it, but be healthier because of it, or you're not going to get those workouts in and you're going to suffer on the back end. You're going to have a terrible quality of life. You're not going to be able to live as long as you want. Uh, you're not gonna be able to do the things that you want. You're not gonna be able to, to participate in things because you didn't put the, that you didn't suffer through those workouts. So I would say both of those things are equally important to understand. Man, clip that YouTube clip. If we can get that in a reel, let's go. Crushed. Great advice. What's your, what's your? My answer stinks. My answer stinks. (laughs) I was, I didn't actually have a question. I just had something. I just had a thought and I tried to make a question around it. I, I would, one of the many things that I would tell people, and this is actually, you talked about the different groups of people. This is more towards someone who has been lifting for a little while, probably does enjoy it, is going consistently, but isn't getting the most out of their workouts for a specific reason, which is they care so much about what other people are thinking of their lift. And and this is more of a, a dude thing, but some women as well, and specifically how much weight they are lifting. I see, and maybe it's small sample size, smaller gym that I've been going to recently, but the number of people using too much weight and doing like partial range of motion, half rep, literally third rep, like quarter rep work is astounding to me. And the realization that no one cares how much you're lifting and uh, the best way to make progress over time and to not get hurt to optimize muscle and strength gain for better mobility and performance and and function over the long run is to decrease the weight to the point where you can actually perform a full range of motion. Be okay with that. Be okay with the fact that you just drop the weight 40%. Get comfortable there. Know that no one else cares. And then slowly build from there is going to pay such massive dividends for you in the long run. Dude, that's great advice. That's fucking, I love that. Clip that. Clip that. We're pumping out daily social content. We're trying to make it happen here on the podcast. We're keeping the banter. Weekly uploads, 98 in the bag. We're going to 1,000 perhaps, maybe 2,000. We'll see. 5,000. Wow. 5,000. That's 10. That's, can't even do it right now. That's like 50, 50 years, 48 more years of pods. Really? All right. Maybe not 5,000. No, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Nothing less than five stars would be wonderful. If you do want to leave less than five stars, just don't leave one at all. But otherwise, just say five stars. That would be super helpful. It helps a lot. uh, Yeah, it helps a ton. So we appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you next week.